Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon. If you found yourself here, it means you are ready to unleash the powerful visionary that lives inside you, turning you into an authentic leader who creates influence, impact, and change. Let's get started. Hi, Gabby Bernstein. Yo, girl. How you doing? I'm so good. It's just such an honor to have you here. And I know you look you look nice and refreshed. You just had a beautiful trip at the beach with, with loved ones and they got to fill your cup up. And now you get to be here and talk about some really, really important things. So thank you so much for being here with us. The real honor is that my kitten is with us right now. Yes. She's Jimmy Blue. She's she's making her presence known. Very happy well, to be on the show. Let's start with Jimmy Blue. So how has Jimmy Blue been a part of your healing process so far? Uh, so I was, I did IVF for all of 2020. I got pregnant with the one embryo that I got from a year of in vitro. And I then was pregnant for five and a half months. And then sadly, the baby wasn't growing as much as he needed to be. And so I did terminate the pregnancy. And so when that happened, there was two things I said. One was I'm getting my ass on a plane to a beach and two, I'm getting a kitten. When I was in the hospital for my pre-op for the surgery to, for the, it's an abortion pretty much for that. Yeah. Uh, I called the, 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 the cat guy, <laughs> a girlfriend of mine had these cats. And so she was really helpful to me. And so I, I called him and I said, I need a cat. And he's like, I'm going to bump you up because you need a cat right now. And so my Jimmy Blue is really a baby. I mean, she's like an angel reincarnated into this little kitten. And she's, and I, and I was on vacation the whole time. And I was like, like enough about me. Let me tell you about my kitten. You know, <laughs> like I was just obsessed. So, you know, how it oh, I love that. And, and, you know, just what a beautiful way to, you know, to have that it, it's interesting how these beings will come into our life in so many different shapes and forms that, you know, are meant to really help us and support us in what it is that we need. I love that you have that right now. And she's so cute. She's really pretty. That. She's, she's, she's a fancy cat. She's a pretty girl. She is. Yeah, she's a real, a real pretty pet I say, little princess. Oh, well, I am, I'm so excited to talk about your new book, Happy Days. Um, I got uh, my hands on a digital advanced copy and, and sunk into it last weekend. And I, I flew through it. I, I read it in like 48 hours. And I was actually telling my husband about it. Uh, my husband is a sexual abuse survivor. Hmm. And I was telling him some stuff about it that was coming up in, in the book, because you, you really, you really go there. We're, we're about to, to talk about all of this, but you know, writing a book, this is not your first rodeo. <laughs> you have written a book or two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or, or nine, I think, right? Nine, this is my ninth book. Ninth yeah. Book. And so why is now, why was, why is now the time to go deeper into these really vulnerable moments and stories and experiences that you share in this book, which I think is, it's, it's probably the, the most personal book, at least from the books that I've read of yours that I've, I've ever read so far. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing your husband's experience. Cause it just is a nice, um, and I'm proud of him for letting you, because 
it's it's so important for us to speak up about our experiences to really just shift the shame around it and just end the stigma. And uh, I want to send him a hardcover copy of the book. So just let me know. Forget you. I want to send him a book. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I'll send you one too, baby. Uh, so the hardcover, you've had the galley so far. So I, uh, in 2016, I had a dream that was not really a dream. It was more of a recalled memory. And sometimes when you have a dissociation from a traumatic event, it can come back in a dream. So for me, it was a dream of, of uh, childhood sexual abuse. And I woke up and I was like, no, never talking about that. It was so real. And I was so shaken by the dream that I made a momentary commitment, like never un undoing that box, never taking the top off that box. No, 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 no. But days later, I was in my therapy and my therapist just asked me a few questions that were enough to re reignite the memory and really accept the dream. That was the day that I, I was 36 years old. I had been sober for nearly a decade. I had been working as a spiritual teacher for years, but I didn't know a lot of the reasons why I'd become a drug addict. I didn't know why I was such a uh, anxious person. I didn't know why I had to control everything. I didn't understand myself until then, until that day. I knew that day. I knew literally the day that this came out. I'm like, I'm going to write about this. I'm going to write about this. I'm going to write about this. I'm going to help people survive. But I knew that I could not write a word until I was on the other side. So I started writing it in 2020 when I was really in a very steady seat of recovery. And now I'm even further along that I can really speak about the book and put it out there in print unapologetically and just speak with vulnerable truth and authenticity about my trauma journey, about my recovery journey, way more than just the sexual abuse, but addiction and depression, anxiety, what it means to be a, a spiritual teacher and a self-help book author going through all that. And most importantly, what it means to be a human that has these conditions and these experiences and how we survive and how we thrive, even with very difficult history. Well, yeah, let's, let's dive into that thriving piece, because I know that your story, um, you know, is, is, one that a lot of people can relate to, you know, they've been there, whether it was sexual trauma, physical trauma, emotional trauma. Um, so kind of take me back to that moment in 2016, where you were like, um, no, thank you. Opt out, <laughs> unsubscribe. Um, but then of course you're, you're with your support team and your therapist and, and they're like, you know, no, Gabby, we've got to, this is here and it's not going anywhere. And so you can either start to work through this or you can keep kind of denying it. What was that initial process for you with just getting to that place of you have the awareness, but how do you really root into that acceptance so you can take the, the action and the next steps? The acceptance is hard. My body and my nervous system accepted it first before my brain could catch up to it. But I knew that I couldn't stay in the state that I was in. I also knew that there was so many patterns that I built up to protect myself from ever remembering that memory that had to be dismantled because if I was going to carry on with those patterns, I was going to be sick and I was going to be, 
not enjoying my life. It would continue to be, you know, the Peter Levine, the founder of somatic experiencing says that trauma is the inability to be present. And I truly understand that because I lived with, with fleeting moments of presence on my meditation pillow and speaking on stage. And I was sort of, uh, just, just chasing presence. By the way, that's a good book title. I'm going to keep that one. So I was chasing presence and I was chasing peace. And then finally, upon recognizing why I was running so much and why I was chasing it, I could then really get to work, could then really begin the undoing. And it wasn't fast, although every step along the way just provided more and more relief and more and more relief and more and more relief. And then, you know, a deeper dive and then a setback and then a deeper dive in. And so the thing about trauma recovery is it has to be a slow and steady titration in and out, in and out. You can't just rip the Band-Aid off right away. One of the things I've done in this book is I've given the reader, <clears throat> whether they have a big T trauma or a small T trauma, I want to be very clear up front. Someone listening might be like, I have no trauma. I'm going to stop listening. No, don't stop listening. Every single person listening right now is has experienced some kind of trauma. We've just lived through a collective trauma. We are living through a collective trauma called COVID. We were all sent home, you know, with no idea when we're going to be let out. Like we have lived and are living with a daily dose of hypervigilance and fear and our nervous systems are rocked and we can't turn on the news without having full-blown anxiety. <laughs> so whether you've experienced big T trauma, like sexual abuse or rape or uh, just an alcoholic parent or a small T trauma, like being bullied or living through the pandemic, you've, you've got energetic disturbances. We have energetic disturbances that we have the power to unwind and restore and come back to safety. You're going to start hearing my cat start to purr. <laughs> she um, starts purring. I, and I, I would love to touch on that because you just said, you know, the big T and, and the little T or small T trauma. And what comes up for me is this idea for those, we can start down a shame spiral when we start to kind of compare maybe our traumas. And it's like, well, who am I to say anything about the car accident I was in? I wasn't sexually abused as a child, or who am I to say that I was bullied in high school? I wasn't in the foster care system for 20 years. Who am I to say, to speak up and to share my thoughts and feelings because yeah. you know, my house didn't burn down, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. those things are. Can you kind of touch on, on that from your own experience? And for anyone that's listening, that maybe feels shame for, you know, having those smaller T traumas, how can they start to embrace that so they can feel through it more? Well, we often will minimize our experiences. One, because it's almost a way of protecting ourselves from accepting how tough it was. I was doing it. I would say like, well, I didn't grow up with, you know, in poverty and which is like whatever it was. And I was like, but I did experience this. So the big part of the book is to really help the reader become unapologetic about their past, to release the shame about their past, to accept and embrace all that they've been through, see all of it as a learning device to, to, to forgive and respect and acknowledge and compassionately love all the parts of ourselves that did their best to try to stay safe in the midst of those chaotic experiences, how big or small they may be. And to, and to really have the bravery to go to the places that scare us. 
But you have to realize that somebody who has had a big T trauma and someone who has a small T trauma is, is they're both terrified. They're both, both of those folks are terrified of facing into that truth. Yeah. You, you mentioned in the book, you know, trauma is trauma, no matter how big, small, ugly, whatever it is. I mean, it's, and some, it's important to acknowledge though, that, that there, there is some trauma experiences that are so big that they're really hard to crack. The more, the bigger the T, the harder it is to crack, crack into and work through. There's, there's plenty of experiences that were for me that were smaller T traumas. I was just like, okay, move that through quickly. Right. And then of course, this historical experience is still, I'm still working on it. And I've written the book. Right. And I want to talk about the the, the sharing of that, because um, when someone is starting to um, feel through, work through their trauma, uh, big T or little T, how does one know, just from your own experience, when it's when it's time, when it's safe to finally speak up and speak out about what they've been going through? I actually address this in the book, as you know. I early on in my recovery, I'd said to my speaking coach, I was like, I need to speak about this. And she was like, hell no, sister, this is way too soon. You're going to reactivate yourself and then therefore reactivate your audience. And even, and and ultimately, even though I wasn't trying to, it would come out and it would do that. And and I, and I forgive myself for those moments because that's where I was at, but I, I'm almost overly compensated for those historical moments because now in this book, every other page, I'm like, if this is too much for you, please go back to this chapter another time. I'm just really holding the reader's hand and really respectfully guiding their process because just even reading my stories is, is activating. But what's valuable about that is that my desire to, to, to write this book from a place of safety is really coming through each page. So that is resolved with my my the energy and the commitment and the safety and the recovery behind each word in the book makes it i believe makes it very safe for the reader as well as it relates to the individual like when is it safe to come out about it here's the thing it's safe to come forth with someone who feels safe if you my kitty's talking to us now if you're still in the heat of it, if you just remembered a traumatic event, just like myself, or if you're still super activated by it, you're going to activate others when you bring this up publicly. So I'm speaking more now to like anyone who has a public profile. I mean, I guess we're all in the media now, right? We all have Instagram, we all have Facebook. So it's a delicate thing. Part of me wants to say, speak up about it loud and proud, just like I said about your husband. It's like, just be, speak up a lot about it because that really clears away the stigma and the shame, but it also can be really reactivating for you. So you have to be gentle with yourself and know that you're steady enough to be able to speak up about it. Find the people that feel safe first, the therapist, the friend, whoever it may be. And you, you share in the book and I'm going to pull it up because I would, I would love to, um, th- this part in the book was really profound. Um, and I actually did some exercises around it. Um, when you start talking about the triggers and when you start to really remember and feel through, finally allow yourself to feel what may be triggering triggering you and where it's stemming from. Um, You talk about that. And I love what you say about um, step one is just how to review your triggers. And there's a box in the book that people, when they, when they grab it, they'll, they'll read, but it's, you know, what is the trigger? What is the feeling around the trigger? 
And then how do you run from the feeling? And um, I would love to, to touch on that a little bit if, um, if we can. Um, you give some steps here that I think are great about paying attention to the moments and, and breathing, but why is that first step really identifying what it is and then identifying the feeling around it and then asking yourself how you run from it? My friends, have you ever thought that you have done the hard part? You have started your business and you have taken that leap from belief into really stepping out and claiming a vision for yourself. But you know that if you want to make money doing what you love, you need other support. You need to grow. You need to scale. You need a marketing strategy. You need a lot of this stuff. Now, of course, I talk so much about these things, right? Like how to identify your target audience, where to find them, which marketing channels to focus on. So you're really making the most out of your budget. And of course, how to use things like data to set goals. But there's another great podcast that I love out there that also talks about this stuff. And it's called This is Small Business. This is Small Business, an original podcast from Amazon, answers so many of these kinds of questions. Whether you're dreaming of starting your business or you're looking to take a part-time side hustle full-time, or maybe you're a few years in and you're ready to scale. This is Small Business is going to give you the practical tips that you can start using today. And I know that if you love these topics on my podcast, you're going to love them on this one too. Make sure to follow This is Small Business on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you don't miss these fantastic episodes. And a big thanks to This is Small Business for sponsoring the show. Why is that first step really identifying what it is and then identifying the feeling around it and then asking yourself how you run from it? So the more awareness we have of our reactivity, the more we can understand all the ways that we've been trying to protect ourselves. And then therefore that's a clear path to the answer of what we're trying to protect. You're going to hear my cat purring. So I just, I just not apologizing, proud that she's so happy. Uh, so we, when we take the time to witness the, the trigger, notice how it makes us feel and then notice how we react to it. We're starting to take an inventory of, of the patterns, the behaviors, and like I said, the protection mechanisms that we have built up to avoid ever having to face the exiled parts of ourselves. But we don't have to talk about the exiled parts to just begin the awareness. We can just start to look at the protection mechanisms that we've built up and the patterns, the patterns, why we run. We... Yeah. These all these patterns are just running from the feelings that are impermissible. And even the pattern of physical disconnection, I mean, that was really what was coming up for me because I know that a lot of you talk a lot about your team, Jay, and you know, you were having these that your trauma your trauma was really manifesting in a physical form. Um, your gut health the TMJ that you could not figure out how to get to the other side of. And it started to make me even think about from my own experiences, you know, what are, when you're not present, you can't be present in your body. You can't even start to ask yourself those questions. You know, why am I having these gut issues? Even though I have met with every dietitian, I've done everything under the sun and the workouts and all of that. And I can't seem to get to the other side of it. Why do I still have this back pain? But no matter what I do, it doesn't leave me. Why do I still have this chronic, you know, twick or whatever it is that's happening? And that was, I think, a big thing for me is that the more that we can get still and identify these triggers and really where the feelings come from, I think it connects us more with our own 
physical form. It connects us more with our own body to start checking in. And I think the body always knows, um, you know, I'll get a big knot in my throat when I know that I am not speaking my truth or when I'm holding something back or when I'm not in integrity and alignment, um, I can have the anxiety in my stomach. And, you know, if you could touch on that a little bit with how that, you know, came up for you with your team, Jane, you, there's a story in the book that you, you go to the doctor, but kind of share how you were finally able after all of those years, um, I don't want to say cure yourself, but, but really get to this place that you weren't having all of these physical ailments happening so much. Living with a dissociated memory was really just like the epitome of, of, uh, <clears throat> just pushing down impermissible feelings and memories and, and, and truth. And what I write about in that chapter that you're referring to is I share a lot about the the work of Dr. John Sarno, who had the whose work was based on the core premise that physical conditions, while they are actually happening and they're real, often are stem from a psychosomatic condition. So a uh, impermissible feeling of rage, impermissible fear, heightened anxiety the stressors in our life that we do not address often result as our back pain, our gastrointestinal issues, our fibromyalgia, our, our, our whatever, whatever, whatever that we manifest. So the physical body takes the toll of the unresolved emotional disturbance. It's only when we start to address that root cause condition that the body can get some relief. Now that I have worked through and have lived now on the other side, I don't have any, I have the most incredible digestion, but I'd lived for decades with every single type of gastro issue you could possibly contemplate. Now I'm just like, good. You need anything. Feel awesome. That's just, it's that's miraculous. It's amazing. And then your jaw too. I just, I found that to be just so fascinating that really how when we, when we become so disconnected and we have all of these ailments, we don't even realize that we may be able to kind of unlock and get to the other side of it ourselves if we just work through a lot of what could be holding us back with the trauma. Um, you have some incredible tools that you use. Um, and if you wanted to share from your own experience, there may be some people that know these, there may be some people that are like, I've never even heard of any of this. I don't know what you're talking about, but specifically um, EMDR. Um, tapping and then the eternal family systems. And I know you, you mentioned the exiled a little bit ago. So I would love to kind of dive into like, what the heck is that? And, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? So let's first maybe dive into some EMDR. EMDR was my first responder when I remembered the trauma. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. What EMDR is, is so fascinating, actually. You're, you're, Listening to a buzzer in either ear, you have buzzers in either hand, or you're tapping on either shoulder, to have a bilateral stimulation in the brain. And the thesis is that when you mentally or psychologically go back into the place of the disturbance, couldn't it may be that it may be that you just aren't talking about the traumatic event, but instead talking about the stomach pain. And really just allowing yourself to revisit these sensations and let your mind take you where they need, where it needs to go with a trigger that you're working with, that the therapist would work with. While having this bilateral brain stimulation, the thesis is that it opens up the brain's window of tolerance to pro reprocess the what, what got so stuck there in the first place. 
So it's a miraculous method because it really helps your brain unlock the neural loop of the trauma. And it could be very fast if it's something like I said, like a small T thing, right? If it's like a phobia or something quick, but it can take you know a handful more sessions or a lot more sessions or continuous sessions if it's something really big. But relief is right there, right there, right away. You'll get relief. It's such a beautiful practice. I cannot emphasize the benefits. And I'm just just wanting more people to know about EMDR, which is why I introduce all these practices in the book, because this is my journey, but it's also, these are, these are therapeutic practices that are clinical practices, but they're also spiritual practices. They're very spiritual to me. I find the spirituality in all of them. So yeah, I highly recommend checking out EMDR if you've ever experienced any kind of uh, addiction or trauma or just unresolved patterns that you want to undo and reprocess. EMDR. I mentioned, yeah, EFT, which is emotional freedom technique, similar to EMDR, where you're tapping on different energy meridians while you're talking about emotional disturbance. And you, again, you don't have to go back to the original trauma. You can just talk specifically about whatever's up for you in that moment and bring it back and bring it back and bring it back. And tapping while you talk about it allows that amygdala fight flight response to just relax. And again, similar to EMDR, reprocess, reprogram settle the system, really. When I say the system, I mean the nervous system, the energy system. And then I mention and I teach internal family systems, which is really about the internal system, the inner workings of our graduated psyche. from that. Too. Like you no. think you were a student of it and then you became a teacher. I practiced EMDR with my therapist for a decade at least now. And then I started learning about it. And was like, wait a second, this is what my therapist does with me. And I just didn't even realize that it, it was what I was doing. And then I very quickly became obsessed like I do and befriended Dick Schwartz, the founder of IFS. And Dick was very wise. And he said, you need to do the level one training. I was like, dude, I want to do it. And so then I, I did it. Now I'm a graduate and I'm on to level twos and I'm just, just so proud to be able to use this model in my own way and to explain it in the best way possible. IFS works under the premise that we have many different parts, all different parts of who we are. IFS refers to protector parts, which are the <clears throat> controlling parts or the protectors are protecting us ultimately from what are the exiled parts, the little children, the fear, the fear stories that we cannot face. So our protectors are like the overworker or the addict or the controller or knives out is the name of one of my protectors. I just fight back, right? So these are patterns that are disruptive at times that show up as a first line of defense against the possibility of ever feeling those fear-based exiled child parts ever again. And the protectors work really hard. But the goal of IFS and my goal, particularly with how I use IFS, is to strengthen the connection to what is called self. And self is the God within us, the love within us, the resourced adult part of who we are. And you know when you're in self when you're not, when you don't have an agenda. You know you're in self when you're not afraid. You know you're in self when you embody 
the C words like compassion and calmness and curiosity. And so the more you develop and connect to that self-energy, the easier it is to become that internal leader for your protector parts, to start to get those protectors out of their extreme roles. So for instance, the more I let self in, the easier it is for me to let self be the leader in the moments when my, my team is not doing the job I want them to do, rather than the protector part that's so controlling because that protector controller part is really just controlling the child that didn't feel in control. You got it? So it's, it's heavy. It's a lot. It's not really heavy. It's just, it's just a lot to, to come to. But the goal ultimately is to get to know all your parts and to then bring them into harmony with the leadership of that self-energy. Yeah, and what I love about how you lay this all out in the book, because you give you give so many tools and you share so much of your own personal journey and experience using these tools. I, I call them tools mm-hmm. um, of EMDR, of tapping, of I, IFS, and you really break it down in a very tangible way to where it's not overwhelming. And for those who, you know, read the book, pick it up, take time with it, you make it you make it easy to absorb. It doesn't feel so heavy. It doesn't feel like it's a lot. And that's that's what I haven't seen that done in that way. I feel like a lot of times with books that talk about, um, you know, ways to help yourself get through, it's just, it's very psychoanalytical and it's very, and it's, it's like, okay, now I've got to go like download all this with my therapist. <laughs> and mm-hmm, maybe you mm-hmm. still need to do that, mm-hmm. but I love how you map it out. And the other thing that that I would love to talk about just from your own experience of, you know, the loved ones that you had around you, your, your husband, your, your son, your family, as you were going through this and ways in which for those that are listening, maybe they're not going through the traumatic experience, but maybe one of their loved ones is how to best show up for them. I know the, the Al-Anon and me, I wanted to fix it. You know, I wanted to fix my husband's trauma and his stuff. And then I would get mad that that I couldn't fix it. And then I would want to manipulate it and shape it and make it look pretty because I didn't want it to be icky and I didn't want anybody to think anything of him. And so that's not helping anyone. (laughs) So for those that are, that end up being still affected by the trauma, even though they're not, they may not be the ones that, that actually experienced it firsthand, how do they start to show up as self in a loving way to be able to support their friend, their loved one, their partner, their spouse through this, you know, this experience that they're going through. The absolute best way you could support somebody through a loved one, through their experience of trauma recovery is to do your own recovery work. (laughs) It's just the bottom line, because we all have our own parts, right? So, so someone might be really suffering with their, their addict, their alcoholic recovery or their traumatic recovery, but whoever attracted that partner into their life has a, is a match for that partner because something within them needed to be resolved in the, we often come to people as incomplete parts and this incomplete part is going to be filled by your part. And then my incomplete parts are going to be filled by this part. So do your own work. That's the answer. Read the book read the book together, or just really read the book on your own and really take it in. Because often you might feel, okay, I have to fix it. Then there's the other alternative situation where you just feel hopeless and you don't, you don't know what to do. I talk a lot in the book. I write a chapter in the book called Don't Call Me Crazy. And in that chapter, 
I reveal the story of my uh, experience with postpartum depression and anxiety. That was a really triggering chapter for me to reread as I read the audiobook, but even for most importantly for my husband to reread because it was such a traumatic experience for him. And I won't use that word lightly as it relates to his experience. So, and any husband that's that's seen a wife through PPD and postpartum anxiety, just they know, they know it's 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 a traumatic event. But the work isn't for him to to you know accept me or come to put peace with me. It's to do his own work around that trauma and to to really heal from that experience that he had with me. And when was your son born? What year? Two thousand eighteen. Okay, so you were two years in your trauma recovery. And then you were compounded with the, with the postpartum, which I get what I want to say about that is like, and here we are, (laughs) So there there is a pathway to peace. There is a pathway to serenity. There is a pathway to getting to the other side of it. And, um, and that's why I think this book is so powerful and so needed, especially after a lot of what we've been through. And you, you know, you shared that at the beginning of this with, we've all been going through a trauma with the pandemic and COVID and trying to figure out what this world now looks and tastes and feels like, um, you know, post. And, um, and so I think that that's also important to note is that, um, you know, even, even in the darkest moments, and you share a lot of dark moments in this book, there are those silver linings, there are those, those, those cracks of, of, you know, serenity and, and of miracles really. And I think that that is, is the most beautiful thing about it. And so, um, where, where do you go from here and what is next now that you, you have this, you're sharing it with the world, you've got so much more to give and to teach and to speak about. And so, um, what's going to be coming from this? Do you hope? My prayer is that this book holds readers in a container of compassion, care, a sense of serenity, knowing that there's a path, knowing that there's a way out, knowing that there's a guide. And really, it sounds a little codependent with my readers, but it's true. I want the reader to know that I'm there with them. I want them to feel my intention, my love, my understanding in every single page of this book. And my and and I always visualize every reprint of the book being infused with that intention. Because one of the scariest things is no matter what we've been through, we feel like we're coming out of it alone. No matter what it is, we feel like we're alone in it. But to hear the vulnerable truth of someone public speaking about their experience my hope is that it lets the reader recognize they're not alone. And then my prayer is that it gives them the guided path out and the inspired path to take the action to really reclaim their life. Because it's possible that I'm living it. You're a true testament to it. And that's why I just want to say thank you for being willing to share on such a deep level and being willing to write this book and, and giving us the gift of being able to read it and to learn and to, you know, it's really that idea of you're, you're sharing your experience with us and it, it gives other people the strength to really do the same. And so I appreciate that. And I can't wait for everyone to grab your copy. Um, happy days, wherever books are sold. 
Um, I know that you're going to be doing a really awesome live event, but you have to get the book like ASAP if you're going to if you're going to get into that live event. Um, and I appreciate you. And Gabby, just please let everybody know where they can follow you. You have an incredible podcast. If they're not listening to it yet, they need to. Um, and I just personally want to recommend because um, I truly believe this that if you if you buy the book also buy the audio version when it's available, because I think, and especially for a book like this, if you can listen to it and read it at the same time, you're going to be able to really take in and absorb the material so much more deeply. Um, so I think that this is one that you're going to want it in your hands, but you're also going to want to listen to it as well. So I just encourage you to, to get both copies. I love that you said that because of all the books I've written, this is absolutely the, many people read and listen because I read my own books. But you're absolutely right. This is the kind, but, but I'm, this is, this is, I'm going to say this with, I don't want to sound conceited, but I actually, who cares? It's true. The audiobook is so fucking awesome. I just went back to my BFA in theater school days and I busted out some real theatrical energy. And it is, I mean, I'm crying in chapters and I'm moved by each word. It is such a beautiful audiobook. It's my best read ever. I hope people really experience it. It's so gorgeous. So thank you for acknowledging the audio. Yes, of course. Of course. All right, Miss Gabby, uh, give us some, some Dear Gabby love and um, your social and your website. Yes, you can find me at deargabby.com. My podcast is called Dear Gabby. All my socials at Gabby Bernstein. And thank you for having me. So lovely to be with you. Uh, thank you so much for being here. And guys, that we will, of course, leave a link to where you can get the audiobook and the hard copy um, right below here on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening. And as always, if you had any aha moments, any moments, maybe even moments that were kind of heavy for you that came up for you, I mean, me and Gabby would still like to know what those are, um, what feelings they brought up, um, because those are just little nuggets that are guiding you to where you need to go. So make sure to screenshot this episode um, hashtag the influencer podcast, tag Gabby, tag myself, so we can make sure to see it and give you some love back. All right. Thanks guys. See you next week. Same time, same place. As always, thank you so much for joining me today and every week here on the influencer podcast. If you're wanting to dive deeper into the topics and discussions that we have here, I would encourage you to head over to juliesolomon.net and sign up for my weekly newsletter. It is in our amazing newsletter community that we are able to really support you on a much larger scale. And I love to do a ton of amazing things that I send inside your inbox every single week. So just head over to juliesolomon.net. You'll see a little spot there that you can add your information in and you will get on the list and start receiving all all of that good stuff.